It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into an Independence Day edition of Locked On Cougars. No, it's not the actual holiday, but today the official holiday is being observed around the country. Hope you all are doing great, having a great holiday weekend. We're going to have plenty to talk about on this episode of Locked On Cougars, nonetheless. Going to talk a little bit about independence for BYU football. How have things gone for the Cougars in a decade of being an independent in the FBS ranks? We'll examine that. We'll also look back through the BYU football history lens as we talk about the 100 seasons of BYU football, talking about the 1978 season, which has plenty of storylines inside of it, none bigger than two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks going toe-to-toe for control of a team. We'll talk about that and, of course, catch you guys up on some other news and notes involving BYU athletics that you may have missed over the weekend. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at the Locked On College Football Channel. Do you know they have five separate Locked On conference shows? Whether your interest is in the SEC, the Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, or even the Pac-12, you can check out a podcast that is conference-specific to each of those conferences. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's have some fun on a Monday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 5th. 2021. Welcome in on a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great holiday weekend wherever you might be. Coming to you a little bit later on the holiday, but nonetheless, happy 4th of July or happy Independence Day to all of you who are stateside here in the United States. A lot to celebrate, obviously, this time of year. Hope you guys enjoyed some time with family and friends, uh, celebrating with fireworks responsibly, and also eating some good food. Uh, It's really one of my favorite things about this holiday. It just seems like everybody's outside grilling, making up delicious food. So hopefully you guys have had a great holiday weekend all the same. And a big thank you for joining us right here on Locked on Cougars, which is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. By the way, introduction or reintroduction once again if you have not heard my name is jay catch i am your byu insider and host here on locked on cougars i work for the zone sports network in salt lake city utah in my day job and it's an absolute privilege and a blast to be with you guys every single day talking all things byu sports if you're new to the show or haven't done so already make sure to hit that follow button wherever you might be listening in from whether it's apple podcast spotify the new google podcast app no matter what it is make sure to hit that follow button. That way you never miss an episode as we talk BYU sports every single weekday. All right, getting going here on a Monday. And obviously, this time of year, we're celebrating independence. And funny enough, 10 years ago, a decade ago, BYU was also celebrating independence. And by way of backstory a little bit here, BYU and their decision to go independent, depending on who you talk to, was in response to Utah going to the Pac-12 or being invited to go to the Pac-12. Also in response to the just awful TV situation that the BYU and the Mountain West Conference found themselves in. Many of you might recall that are our older listeners watching BYU on the mountain. Yes, some of our younger listeners may not even know what we are talking about, but 
But by way, by way of backstory, in the mid-2000s, the Mountain West Conference was pretty unsatisfied with how ESPN and other TV networks were treating the conference in terms of getting it out to mass distribution. There were bad networks that the teams were being played on, and it just simply was not working for them. So they decided, you know what? Why don't we control our own fate? And they created what was called the Mountain Network, which premiered on September 1st, 2006. It was the first network dedicated to a college athletic conference, which was the Mountain West Conference. It annually produced and aired more than 170 collegiate sporting events at its peak, including football, basketball, Olympic sports, as well as conference championship coverage. The biggest issue with the Mountain, as many of you might recall, was its distribution package. You had to have specific cable providers, be lucky to find them, it seemed like, in any given place that you went to. And BYU, as a big part of why they went independent, was the fact that the Mountain and the Mountain West Conference treated them as essentially, and it also ran, when it came to BYU being one of the top dogs in the conference in terms of overall TV viewership. And trust me, I've had people argue with me on multiple points saying that, well, BYU just wanted special treatment. You're right they wanted special treatment because guess who is the big dog in terms of attracting eyeballs in the conference by and large during this era? Yes, BYU. Utah and TCU also brought plenty of eyeballs, but BYU was treated like they were essentially a a spoiled child who wanted more access, more exposure, and that's exactly what BYU was chasing. They knew the value of what they brought to the Mountain, to the Mountain West Conference, and when it really started getting thrown into upheaval with regards to the college football realignment phase that we're talking about this era as well, around 2010, well, when Utah decided to bolt the conference, obviously BYU saw an opportunity and chased it. They announced their independence or going independent in 2010 with the other sports, including men's basketball, going to join the West Coast Conference. Uh, There was a dalliance there where BYU was going to try and reform the WAC in a way and still have football be independent but have a scheduling agreement with the WAC. Craig Thompson, the Mountain West Conference, caught wind of it and really preempted that with a move to bring in Boise State, Fresno State, and I believe Nevada was the other school that was invited right away to join the Mountain West Conference, pretty much scuttling the plan that BYU had to go back to the WAC with a scheduling agreement, but BYU announced they were going to go to the West Coast Conference and their other sports outside of football and go independent. It's been a decade since then, and I think by all accounts, what BYU was pursuing at that time, they have accomplished, and that is namely exposure. Plain and simple. Signing that exclusive TV deal with ESPN and the ESPN family of networks has given BYU the opportunity and its fan base, which is literally global, to see BYU essentially anywhere they want to see them anytime. It's been fun to see BYU featured on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, even ESPN News and ESPN3 at times. But the nice part is is the reach and the overall, I guess, access that BYU fans enjoy with the worldwide leader in sports. Speaking of ESPN, it's been an absolutely incredible partnership. Uh, ESPN, I can tell you guys, having had conversations with people who have worked for both BYU and also on the ESPN side of things, and in some cases both, they say that ESPN really understands what BYU can do for their brand and vice versa. BYU understands what ESPN means to them. It's kind of crazy to think that the first live televised game on ESPN way back when was 1983 featuring, uh, 1984, excuse me, no, 83, no, 
Maybe not. I, anyways, it was Pitt and BYU. It was either 83 or 84. I believe it was 83. So some of you may be, be able to correct me on that. I'm going off script a little bit here. But nonetheless, I think the decade since BYU, decade plus now, since they went independent, by all accounts, has been a successful venture. They're making more money than they ever made before. Speaking of the annual broadcast rights and the TV that is generated from it via ESPN, they're being exposed uh, to more and more people. I've talked to a number of people recently in the past 10 years who have expressed the fact that they've been able to see BYU play more now than ever before. And obviously, there is something to do something to do with that in regards to just the overall expand and reach of how distribution goes with regards to TV these days. There are so many networks out there with so many different broadcast windows. Yes, it's easier than ever to find the Cougars, whether they're streaming online or just to see them on linear TV. But the good news is, I think if, if, you're, if you're a BYU fan, is this decade has given BYU fans what they've always craved. That is the national exposure. And in the case of 2020, as well as some other seasons during that decade, Decade plus, really some huge wins, some standout performances, and being part of the national conversation once again. Think back of what we talked about week by week this past season, those of you who were with us throughout the 2020 season. BYU was seemingly in everybody's mouth with regards to what they were doing. And I know that there were people saying, well, they're playing a cream puff schedule and blah, 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 blah. You know what? The fact is that you guys are still talking about BYU. That is a win for the Cougars. And I think BYU understands as they continue to build this program under Kalani Satake, speaking of the football program, they continue to have success on the field. Well, more and more people are going to sit up and pay attention to the Cougars because they're a lightning rod, whether it's good or bad, regardless of your affiliation, whether you're a BYU fan or you're a BYU hater, there's people that just can't keep BYU out of their mouths. And that is a good thing for BYU. The nice part is, is I think going into 2021, there are going to be a lot of curious eyeballs looking at BYU saying, okay, they got away with one last year. They didn't play anybody and they put together this marvelous season. They were led by a one-year wonder at quarterback who cashed in and went to the NFL. And we'll see how he does with the New York Jets. Speaking of, of Zach Wilson, I think there are plenty of people who are looking to see what BYU is going to do for an encore this fall. And as I have said previously on this podcast and reiterate here, I think the talent base for BYU going into 2021 is actually deeper than it was in 2020. The quarterback position, very much unsettled at this point. There are three guys, all three of them, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, and Jacob Conover. I think all three of them have legitimate shouts to be the starting quarterback for BYU. So we'll see how it ultimately plays out with regards to who takes the reins of BYU's offense. But I think they have plenty of talent around them to help buoy them up. And should they get steady quarterback play, there's no reason to think that BYU can't be competitive this fall. Do I think they're going to go out and put up another 10-win season? I'd be hard-pressed to say that, considering they have seven Power 5 teams. And obviously, the degree of difficulty when you face off against those Power 5 schools goes up. But... I'm of the opinion that BYU can still go out there and be part of the national conversation this year. Uh, I know, like I said, there are plenty of people out there who are going to be looking at BYU, waiting for them, like, okay, they got away with it last year. Are they going to suck again this year? We can just get right back to, to beating them down. We'll find out. But I think the good news is, if you're a BYU fan, is that the Cougars have enjoyed the most exposure in their entire history as a football program. If you go back to the prism of just looking at how the decade has gone for BYU as an independent, 
I think it was a master stroke. I know there are plenty of people who are detractors who will say that BYU is doing it simply just to get back and say that, well, we're, we're relevant too when you talk about their invite to the Pac-12. I can tell you this much. The seeds of BYU's discontent with the Mountain West Conference were sown many, many years before they ultimately went independent. And in some cases, I think if you look back through BYU football history, maybe they should have gone independent earlier. That that's a that's a, I know it sounds weird, but there are people out there I think you could talk to, and you may be one of them who think that BYU had they gotten independent in an earlier era, maybe just maybe they're a bigger brand even than they are right now. I would say okay, the the WAC who they were members of for many many years, as well as the Mountain West Conference, did some good things for BYU, and they obviously had conversations about joining Power Five conferences at different points in the eighties nineties. The 2000s, the 2010s. There have been conversations to that level, obviously, but I think that there is an argument to be made. Had BYU decided to pull the plug earlier on being a member of a conference, speaking of the WAC or the Mountain West, and go independent, who's to say that they aren't the Notre Dame of the West, quote unquote? I don't know. It's a very interesting conversation, but I think this decade plus of BYU being an independent, I think very much has been a beneficial one for the BYU football program. And the hope is, as they continue to kind of grow and rise in prominence nationally, that people understand that BYU, they don't need a conference to accomplish their goals. Plain and simple. I, I want to get that point out there as well, is that BYU is quite content being a member, or not not being a member, being a, being in control of their fate, speaking of being in the independent ranks in college football. This is a university that has a global reach. They have a fan base which is literally spread around the world, and they tune in, and they show up in droves, and they support the Cougars. They're, they're diehard fans, and that is something that sets BYU apart, despite not being a quote-unquote power five team currently that's what sets BYU apart from their fellow quote-unquote g5 brethren is the fact that BYU's fan base is unlike many others in the entire sport of college football so I think this decade of independence has been a good one for BYU and it'll be kind of a theme we're going to talk about throughout the week here by the way I meant to get to like three or four different topics so why not spin it out and make it a little more of a topic it's been obviously a conversation piece every year it seems like in the offseason I've got a couple other points so we'll do some other uh, episodes this week that will have questions that kind of building off of this topic but obviously when we're celebrating Independence Day or observing it here in Utah and across the United States on July 5th fifth when it was on Sunday. We'll continue to talk about this conversation throughout the week. Uh, Independence Day celebration, if you will, right here on Locked On Cougars. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll look back on one of the one of the seasons of BYU football history. We've been doing this for the past three months. Looking back at BYU football history, our 100 seasons of BYU football makes a stop at 1978. What happened that year for BYU? Some of you may be able to talk about it off the top of your head, but for those of you who don't, we'll get to that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, folks. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, right now, the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals are on its way. The Milwaukee Bucks against the Phoenix Suns. The Stanley Cup Finals may end tonight. They also have got MLB odds. Anything you want. UFC, MMA, golf, uh, man. Futures on college football and NFL teams. No matter what your interest, your sports betting interest might be, BetOnline.ag has all the odds, news, and everything else you need to have success in the betting world. And you can get it all at BetOnline.ag. Head over there.
there to check out all of their great sporting news, check out the different bonuses they're offering, even all the contest information you may want to know about. It's all available for free at betonline.ag. You can sign up for free there, by the way, as well, and also take advantage of our special bonus here on Locked on Cougars. It's a special one-time 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. You heard that right, 5-0, 50% added to whatever you deposit the first time. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On when you get to betonline.ag. So take advantage of it now. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore and get in on the action. Promo code Locked On and take advantage of that offer now. That's promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of Bet Online as they are your online sportsbook experts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, folks, let's continue on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown now. Looking back at each individual year, BYU football played 100 seasons to this point as we continue to count you down towards BYU football this fall. The 2021 season kicking off in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium as BYU takes on the University of Arizona Wildcats. Looking forward to that game, by the way. I know there are thousands of you planning on making the trip to Sin City. I am planning on making the trip myself. I'm looking forward to that, but Let's take a look back at BYU football history before we look forward. And 1978 is where we left off. We talked about 1977 last week. And the Mormon Rifle, speaking of Gifford Nielsen, had suffered a pretty devastating knee injury. And Mark Wilson came in as a sophomore for BYU in 1977 and really just kind of picked up the reins and carried BYU's offense forward. And in 1978, he came into the year as the man. He was going to be the starting quarterback. He was a junior in 1978. And many of you will recall during this era, era of Lavelle Edwards' tenure. This was his seventh year, speaking of 1978. Very much was a system where you came in, you learned the system, you sat behind upperclassmen quarterback for one to two years, and then you took over the team, had one to three years of the very most as the quote-unquote guy, and then you passed the torch on to somebody else. Well, 1978 was essentially the guy was going to be Mark Wilson. He was the man, and the season started out fine enough. BYU went to Parker Stadium up in Corvallis and beat Oregon State 10-6. to The following week, though, they went to Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe and lost that game 24-17. to And now, Arizona State, this year, speaking of 1978, was their first year as a member of the Pac conference. The Pac-10 is what it was reformed as. University of Arizona and Arizona State leaving the WAC the previous year to join that conference and BYU went as a quote-unquote non-conference opponent for the first time, losing to Arizona State 24-17 to and that's when it, that's when an injury took place, a hamstring injury from Mark Wilson and the rest of the year featured a two-quarterback system for BYU with Wilson splitting time with a plucky young guy out of Roy, Utah the one, the only, 
Jim McMahon. BYU bounced back, obviously, from that loss at Arizona State with their first home game, beating Colorado State 32-6 in fine fashion, then went to New Mexico the first month, three road games to open the first month of the season, went to Albuquerque and beat New Mexico 27-23. So things are going pretty well for BYU, all things considered. They're 3-1 and one to start the season, and three of their three of their four games have been on the road, and BYU is doing just fine. But then they open up Octo- in October going... Uh, no, excuse me, they hosted the game against Utah State in Provo, Utah, and were stunned 24-7 in that game in the battle for the old wagon wheel. They bounced back fine enough, though, going to Oregon, squeaking out a 17-16 victory at Autzen Stadium, then going on a run here, beating UTEP 44-0, Wyoming 48-14, and San Diego State 21-3 in three straight home games for the Cougars going into November. But then they suffered the first loss in seven starts against the University of Utah, losing 23-22. to This is an absolutely crazy game, folks. BYU raced out to a pretty big lead in this contest, and it felt like they were in control. Brent Johnson got the scoring start with a 3 nothing field goal from 20 yards out. Then Lloyd Jones hauls in a pass from Jim McMahon to make it 10 nothing. Then Brent Johnson in the second quarter hits on two field goals, one of them being a 52-yarder. That's a big kick. They put up BYU up 16 to nothing at halftime. Utah finally got in on the action when James Tehan uh, scored on a 25-yard pass from Randy Gomez. BYU rebuilt that 16-point lead they enjoyed, though, with a Dave Francis pick six from 20 yards out. The kick failed in that instance, and that would be absolutely massive as the fourth quarter belonged to Utah. And we talked about on Friday's edition of the show how Wayne Howard said, it's going to be a crusade to be BYU from here on now. Over the next two years, we're going to beat them, and we're not going to run up the score like they ran it up on us. Well, in the fourth quarter, Jeff Hucko got a 37-yard field goal to make it 22-10. Then Tony Lindsay gets a touchdown pass from from, uh, Randy Gomez to make it 22-17. And then in the final score of the game, Frank Henry catches a 19-yard touchdown pass from Randy Gomez to put Utah up 23-22. The Utes did go for two to try to make it a five, uh, not a five-point lead, a three-point lead, excuse me. Uh, They were trying to go up 25-22. That's where the five-point thing came from. That pass failed, and that ultimately was the final tally. 23 to 22, 29,326 fans on hand at Rice Stadium to watch the Cougars and the Utes do battle. And I'm not going to lie, BYU had their struggles in this game, as they did most of the year, especially in the passing game. As I mentioned at the outset of this conversation, is that it was a two-quarterback system for BYU this year, and there was an interesting tidbit that I had forgotten that uh, Dick Harmon actually got from uh, Mark Wilson in a conversation they had back in 2013. And the question was asked, you and fellow College Football Hall of Fame quarterback Jim McMahon shared playing in time in 1978. What do you remember about playing with McMahon? Wilson's answer, quote, I loved playing with McMahon. Jim was a great player and a teammate. The thing I loved the most about Jim is during my junior year in 1978, Wally English was the offensive coordinator, and it was a rough year. He says, I don't don't talk about it much. We've been so prolific with our offense, and Wally came in and changed everything. I don't even know if we led the whack in passing that year. Doug Scoville, who had really built BYU's prolific passing offense, came back the next year, and we got back to leading the nation in passing. The interesting thing about Wally is he wanted Wally is he wanted to change everything offensively because if he didn't, he wouldn't be given credit because obviously it's Doug Scoville's system, and he wouldn't be given credit if it were the same players that Doug had had and the system that Doug used. One thing he wanted to do was to change the quarterback. I've thought about it often. 
Jim was a young guy and he didn't want to sit on the bench. Obviously, anybody who knows Jim McMahon knows that. Uh, uh, Jim was a young guy and he didn't want to sit on the bench. It would have been so easy for Jim to fall into that trap, but he didn't have anything to do with it. He recognized it for what it was and he didn't want any part of it. I have always loved him for that. I didn't necessarily know that part of it is that Wally English, I knew Wally English should come in as a one year kind of a, what you call it, a, a stopover in Provo, really changed things. And it sounds like there was some controversy there. And both quarterbacks played plenty during the season. Let's be clear about that. On the year, Mark Wilson passed for 1,499 yards, eight touchdowns against 13 interceptions. I think those tallies were very much due in part to his health. Jim McMahon, uh, for his credit in relief of Mark Wilson, passed for 1,307 yards, six touchdowns against eight interceptions. And BYU's a team, only 2,800 158 yards passing as a team. Obviously, that's not up to what they had typically done previously, but the rushing game is kind of the more important number here. BYU as a team in 1978 ran for 1,521 yards and 23 touchdowns. So very much a big influence on the rushing game, I think, installed by uh, Wally English in his one year as the offensive coordinator. But uh, very interesting to hear Mark Wilson talk about the fact that apparently Wally English wanted to make the transition to potentially Jim McMahon, and to Jim's credit, as he says, he was having none of it just was not in favor of that and both guys spent time and we'll talk about 1979 tomorrow and the controversy that ensued because you have two future Super Bowl winning quarterbacks on the same roster let's be clear about this Mark Wilson won a Super Bowl or it was two Super Bowls with the Oakland Raiders while Jim McMahon ultimately won that famous one in 1985 with the Chicago Bears and won a second as a backup with the Green Bay Packers but you had two Super Bowl future Super Bowl quarterbacks Obviously, competitive guys want to get on the field, and we'll talk about 1979 tomorrow. But to both of their credits, their everlasting credits, speaking of Mark Wilson in addition to Jim McMahon, they did not let that controversy fracture the team. And BYU as a team in 1978 had a pretty good season because, as we mentioned, after losing to Utah, let's finish this off, they went to Hawaii in Aloha Stadium, beat the Rainbow Warriors 31-13, to then played the first regular season game against an FBS opponent outside the continental United States was kind of a novelty here on December 2nd. So they went straight from Honolulu to Yokohama Stadium in Yokohama, Japan to play in the quote-unquote Yokohama Bowl, but it was a regular season game. Crazily enough, they played this game in Yokohama against UNLV the first time BYU and the Running Rebels would square off, and BYU won that game probably severely jet-lagged, if I'm being honest, 28-24 to on December 2nd. As such, BYU finished first in the conference with a 9-4 overall record. They were 5-1 in the conference despite that loss to Utah, who finished second. The Cougars, once again, whacked champions, and then went on to play in the inaugural Holiday Bowl in San Diego. This game being held at Jack Murphy Stadium, and the Holiday Bowl and BYU would become synonymous with one another for a number of years during this upcoming era of BYU football we're going to talk about in future episodes. It seemed like every year BYU won the whack, and every year they went to San Diego. And on a personal note, I have a grandfather and a father who during this era would make the trip every year to San Diego to watch BYU play. My dad has seen some absolutely incredible games as we will chronicle in future episodes of the Holiday Bowl and what BYU did during those seasons. So yes, very much an up and down season with the quarterback situation, but it did not allow BYU did not allow it to affect them with that nine and four overall record, nine and three overall record in the regular season, five and one in the conference. But in that inaugural holiday 
Day Bowl at San Diego Stadium. I believe it was Jack Murphy Stadium, if that if I'm not mistaken, at that time. They lost to Navy 23 to 16. So BYU still looking for a victory in a bowl game. But we will talk about that in future episodes as we get into 1979 and obviously the 1980s nearly here. Uh, probably the greatest decade of BYU football it began in 1975 and probably ran through 1985. We're talking about it. we're in the glory days, quote unquote, of BYU football here, folks. And it's a lot of fun to look back on these. But one of those crazy seasons, two future Super Bowl winning quarterbacks on the same roster. I think very few programs in college football history probably ever had that problem. But BYU luckily did. And we'll talk about 1979 tomorrow and the controversy that boiled up from that and also one other thing to the everlasting credit of Jim McMahon and Mark Wilson and how they handled that situation that's coming on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. All right, coming up here in just a moment though, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know here on an Independence Day edition of Locked On Cougars. Stay tuned for that. Let's talk for a minute though first about our good friends at Built Bar folks. They are the best tasting protein bars out there. What we love about them is they have nine base flavors, but they also have what they call limited time flavors. And right now they have one of my favorites of all time. It's called the Built Grasshopper Cookie Flavor. It's available this week only, July 6th through the 9th. Get the new Built Bar Flavor Grasshopper Cookie. Well, what does it taste like? This is Built Bar's version of the classic Thin Mint Cookie. It's all the flavor with all without all of the sugar that's typically in those cookies. 150 calories, it's absolutely incredible, packed with 17 grams of whey protein and just 5 grams of sugar, folks. I have tried it. They sent us a box. This is probably two or three weeks ago now. And I got to say, it is by far one of my favorite flavors that I have had. You can get a Built Bar now and take advantage of that offer. So once again, Built Grasshopper Cookie, get there, order it, and enjoy. If you if you like grasshopper flavor, whether it's grasshopper cookies, grasshopper um, shakes, whatever, it is. You're going to absolutely love all these different flavors they have available built. But right now, they also have ones like cookies and cream, German chocolate available, orange, strawberry. My favorite flavors include Cherry Barcia, the orange flavor, and this Grasshopper Cookie, folks, it's absolutely phenomenal. So order today and get the Grasshopper Cookie or raspberry or orange or German chocolate, whatever your favorite flavor is, get there and order it today. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off Built.com. By the way, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that pretty cool? Obviously, we're getting for the, ready for the Olympics. Well, Built is along for the ride on that, and they want to treat you guys to an Olympic experience as well. So that's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15, and enjoy the best tasting protein bars anywhere. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. A little over time on today's podcast. Some of the topics obviously took up more of our time looking back at BYU Independence as well as the 1978 season. But wanted to note here before we go on today's edition of Locked on Cougars is a big congratulations to the BYU Athletic Department overall. They finished with their eighth top 25 finish in the Learfield Directors Cup final standings, finishing number 17 in the country. It is the third best finish in school history in these showings. As a quote, it has been a remarkable athletic season and a truly unprecedented 
Associated Times, said Tom Homo, BYU Director of Athletics. A huge congratulations to our resilient, tough, committed, passionate, fun-loving student-athletes and coaches for all they were able to accomplish. To be 17th in the nation among the athletic programs we are among is something for all of Cougar Nation to be proud of. As we had talked about previously on the podcast, after the fall sports, BYU is actually number two in the country. They were actually number, I believe, six or eight after the uh, I guess winter sports were revealed. The spring sports is what brought BYU back down. But still, they're top 20 in the country, folks. And considering you have the likes of Texas, Stanford, just, those were 1-2 in the standings this year. Stanford losing for the first time in, what, 26 years or some such? Absolutely incredible to think that BYU competes on a national level as best they do across all sports. So congratulations are in order for all BYU student-athletes who are a part of this. They should all share in the victories that BYU won over the years. And like I said, you're now considered a consensus top 20 athletic department across the entire college football universe. Not college football, but college sports in general, excuse me, college sports universe. That's really, really cool. And a big congratulations are obviously in order for Tom Homo and all the coaches, all the athletes, all the administrators, all the trainers, everybody that's involved with BYU Athletics. Uh, kudos to all of you out there. All right, that is going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for you guys' continued support. Of course, this will be a quick turnaround, obviously, for some of you probably hearing this in the afternoon hours here on July 5th. We'll have another edition tomorrow, July 6th, obviously, and continue on throughout the week. So stay tuned for plenty more BYU coverage, more interviews coming out of BYU Football Media Day, more thoughts on the current state of BYU athletics. We'll get to all of that beginning tomorrow and obviously carrying on throughout the rest of the week. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars and follow us there for all the news involving BYU Athletics and the podcast. And as always, feel free to reach out via email if you'd like to do so as well. That's LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Alright, that's going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. Hope you guys are all doing great, but a reminder for you guys before we go here to make sure you check out next, Locked On Today. It is your daily podcast focused on all things in sports, whether it's NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever it might be. They do a great job getting you guys up to speed on everything involving sports that you may not have heard of. They do it in all in 20 minutes or less, guys. So make sure now to make sure you listen to Locked On today. And of course, we'll be with you guys again tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 5th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys manana. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day